The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, party people! I am in such a delightful mood right now. And you know what? I haven't been in this bright of a mood, and I can't even tell you how long. I don't know if it's my new purchase of a happy lamp. I don't know if it's some endorphins because I worked out for the first time in, I think... I'm not going to say over a week, but at least the past six or seven days. So that definitely could contribute to a happy, good mood. I just had a delightful cup of coffee, just made myself a big bowl of oatmeal. I'm in a good mood. And you know what? I think sometimes when I come onto the podcast, all of a sudden I go into tailor therapy mode. All of a sudden I'm ready to just spill my deepest, darkest secrets. I'm ready to just be honest, open, love you all, share everything I've ever thought in my head. And I think sometimes because I'm alone all day long, I let all of those negative thoughts kind of pent up in my mind until I can voice them quite literally into the void of my computer and record them on a podcast. But I very much acknowledge that's probably not a fun thing to listen to. And I would hope that by now, if you're listening to my podcast, you watch my videos, you follow me on Instagram, TikTok, whatever, Hopefully you would consider me a little bit of a happy person and I don't want you to come to the podcast and have any different of an experience. I want this to be a fun place where you come, maybe you take 45 minutes out of your day to just hang out with me. Maybe you're working out right now. Maybe you're sitting on the couch. Maybe you're starting your day off. Maybe you're eating breakfast. Maybe you're commuting. These are all the things I do when I'm listening to podcasts. So many different multitasking abilities to do while listening to podcasts. That was one of the biggest reasons I wanted to start a podcast myself way back when, which really wasn't that long ago, just about six or seven months or so, June 2020. But I wanted to start a podcast because I was this huge podcast lover myself, and it felt like every activity of my day was accompanied by a podcast. I think a lot of people listen to podcasts when they commute to work specifically. And for me, when I was commuting to work a lot, I would be editing my videos a whole bunch. So it never felt like I could have a podcast on, music on even, until maybe I was out on the streets, you know, almost to my building. So I really got into podcasts as a listener in 2020, and it felt like I just dove headfirst into the podcasting world, and it feels like I've listened to a podcast of every genre at this type. But really and truly, I think the meaning 
behind me wanting to start a podcast or the meaning behind me listening to so many podcasts was truly because it felt like there was always a friend in my ear. Even when 2020 was hard, even when I was alone, when Keith went back to work because he was able to go back to working in his office, not that far into the pandemic, surprisingly enough, but listening to a podcast makes you feel like somebody is around, somebody is almost hearing you think or you're around somebody else. It's like turning on a talk show, a morning show, what have you. So I don't know. I think that's why I am such a lover of podcasts because I hate being alone. It's like one of my biggest fears. And I think that is my one main objective with my own podcast. I hope that if you're listening to this, maybe you feel like I am your friend and I'm sitting here having a good conversation with you. So that's exactly what I want to do with you today. I just want to be in a really positive, positive mood and relay all of that serotonin into your earbuds. (laughs) Maybe that's totally just me, but it does feel like these past few weeks, maybe just the past few days, I'm not sure, I have felt particularly pessimistic and I am just not a pessimistic person I'm really not I am detrimentally optimistic and I don't know if that sort of delusion is a good thing or a bad thing but it's kind of just the way I live my life I don't like to focus on the negatives whether or not that makes me almost ignorant like I'm so positive to the point where I will not admit fault or I won't see fault I guess if that makes sense But I think sometimes in your own thoughts, in your own mind, you go down that rabbit hole of just thinking the worst or just not getting out of that rut of having negative thoughts. So I sincerely apologize if you've picked up on the energy on any of my social medias. I want to be the furthest thing from a pessimistic person, but I'm really working to try and be a little bit more genuinely happy. And I did mention this on an Instagram story a few weeks back now, but I got myself a happy lamp. I genuinely need to thank Paige for recommending to purchase a happy lamp. She sent me over an article recommending the top three happy lamps because she's just such a good supporter and she remembered that that was something I talked about wanting. So I finally just said, you know what? That was so nice of her to go out of her way to send me the article. I just need to purchase the darn happy lamp. I've lived in Washington for nearly six years now. I don't know what in the heck took me so darn long. I've always needed it. It was a little bit sunnier where I went to college, which is most of the time that I've been in Washington. But even just being inside, I think for all of 2020 was definitely the time I should have just made the big purchase. I don't know really what took me so darn long. But I ordered it off of Amazon. I can leave a link in the podcast description box if you're interested in checking it out yourself. But this one is neat because it's particularly oriented around some sort of circadian rhythm, which is kind of cool. I don't know much about it. I really just took the recommendations from this article. There was another one that was a little bit less sleek looking that actually was their top rated choice. And I went with the one that looked a little bit cooler because... I hate looking at ugly eyesores. I just can't handle it. I need something that's pretty cute. And this one's round and circular. The other one was just rectangularly weird. So if you've ever thought about getting a happy lamp, moral of the story is I would highly suggest it. Only use it for about 30 minutes, maybe once a morning or so. And I think the general purpose of a happy lamp is to kind of simulate that sensation that the sun provides. Obviously, you're not getting literal sun rays while I'm sitting in my office, but because I don't have a window or because my apartment just doesn't have that many windows, having something that 
supplements that in any way, shape, or form, whether that's completely in my mind and it's totally a facade or a placebo telling me that I'm happier, I don't really care because it feels like it's working. So I'm leaning into that happy energy first and foremost, but also this week I'm kind of on a little bit of a strive to get back onto my early morning routine. Now, if you're not familiar, familiar, let me quickly take you on the journey of Taylor's early morning routines. At the end of 2019, I believe was the time I was starting my YouTube channel. And at that time, it felt like my actual sense of time, or at least my free time, like literally the hours in the day were decreasing by the minute because I would have to wake up extraordinarily early to begin with, which probably was around six, maybe if I was more advantageous, it would be about like 545 in the morning or so. I would commute to work, stay at work until pretty late in the day and then not get home until around seven o'clock, 730. Am I exaggerating? I truly don't remember. I'm going to say it was genuinely 730. And at this point, you know, you come home from work, you're absolutely exhausted. You've been up since the crack of dawn. You've been away from the house more hours than you've been home. All you want is dinner cooked. You don't want to have to worry about chores. You don't want to even think about working out. That was at the absolute back of my mind. And that became my biggest problem. Not only was I not able to see Keith enough or spend time with him enough or even just take care of a home, like literally just do basic things like dishes and laundry. I didn't have enough energy and I literally didn't have enough time. And selfishly, I was putting a lot of my time into editing, whether that was on my commute or even when I got home home. But I was absolutely not prioritizing working out. So I kind of came up with this plan to find more hours in the day. And when you have no more hours in the day, the only solution is to wake up a little bit earlier. So instead of getting frustrated with myself coming home at 730 and getting mad that I didn't have enough energy to go to the gym or to do a workout because I had been exhausted from my long day, I decided, you know what, let's just flip that around and let's try and get a workout done in the morning. So I don't really remember if it was one of those cold turkey things and I just ripped it off like a Band-Aid or if I gradually worked my way into it, but I essentially went from waking up around, I'm going to say 6, to waking up around 4.15, 4.30. I kind of calculated it out backwards and I realized that if I do about a 45 minute to an hour long workout, I would have enough time to come back to the apartment, take a quick shower, get quickly ready, be out the door and be on my way to work just in the right amount of time. I'm not going to lie. It was absolutely a struggle. I never, ever wanted to get out of bed at four o'clock in the morning. Never Once did that alarm not go off and I didn't sit in bed agonizing why I ever made this decision. Never once did I think that the alarm hadn't come soon enough. Like it was always too darn soon. I would never get enough sleep. And that's one thing I will not recommend. Definitely if you're somebody who wants to wake up super early, make sure that you're going to bed on time. I wasn't doing that. I was being selfish. I was just kind of young and dumb. But if you do want to have that early morning schedule, please just get enough sleep on the back end to like go to bed at like nine or 10 at night. Okay, just thank me later. So I did this, this 430 in the morning workout schedule for a few months. And I would say probably it was only about uh, three months tops, maybe four months, because I was only really doing it because of how difficult my work schedule was. But 
come middle of March, Miss Corona comes into the chat and all of a sudden I didn't have to go to work anymore. Therefore, I didn't have to wake up at four in the morning anymore. So what quickly became a really good habit turned into Taylor waking up whenever she wanted because I had nobody to report to. I had no committed expectation to get me out of bed any earlier. And I would say that was probably the start of the downfall. I was definitely trying to make the most of my time. You know, when you get furloughed or laid off or whatever the heck I was, you sort of want to make the most of the opportunities that are presented with you because at that time, of course, I was devastated. But I remember thinking, well, gosh, I'm going to have so many more hours in the day now. I think the day after I was furloughed, I came home and I'm like, I'm going to post all these clothes I've always wanted to post on Poshmark. I'm going to reorganize the apartment. I'm going to redecorate. I'm going to do this left and right. You know, you have so much positive energy to put into all of these projects that you always tell yourself you're going to do when blank happens, you know? But I think just as anything goes, it was almost like summer vacation where, yeah, sometimes, you know, you really want to soak in those really lazy days. But after a while, having those really lazy days on a continuous basis is a really, really bad habit to form. And I love my lazy time. I truly do. I genuinely need time in the morning to just kind of wake up. I love to have a full day off, a full weekend. I love vacation. But I also have this internal struggle in my mind of needing to be productive at the same time. As I've mentioned many times before, I'm an Enneagram 9, recently learning with a strong wing one, meaning I have that perfectionist side that constantly is yelling at my lazy side. It's the biggest little internal struggle, which I think is so darn funny. So pretty much throughout quarantine, or at least throughout 2020, there would be long periods where I would try my best to set an early morning schedule for myself. And I would do really well for maybe a week or two. And then I would just sort of fall back into my normal waking up late patterns. And it's not that I was doing nothing all day long, but really I'm just a night bird, a night night bird, a night owl in my heart of hearts. I've always been that way. I'm not sure if I'm ever going to be this energetic morning person, but I have just always had such bad, I think it's just FOMO if we're being honest with ourselves because I want to stay up late and I want to enjoy the night, but also I want to be an early bird. Like, can you be both? Can you be an early bird and a night owl? That would be my life's biggest dream if I could somehow be both. But I think that's why I have such a hard time setting a better early morning morning routine because I just love being a night owl. I will stay up easily until two or three o'clock in the morning without struggle, without any sort of struggle, I will be up that late. But of course, when you go to bed at three, normally you'll probably want to wake up around 10 so you can actually get a good night's sleep. But at that point, the day is gone, at least in my mind. So I've had moments of getting up at six and having a 6 a.m. morning routine. I've had moments of getting up around eight or nine, which is probably the more realistic story. But I am currently trying to get myself back onto that 4 a.m. morning routine. Reese, why did you just throw a ball at me? Oh, it was an accident. (laughs) Reese loves her little tiny tennis balls so darn much, but we have so many small cracks in our furniture or underneath the couch, and all she does is just follow this ball around the entire apartment until it slides underneath the couch, and then she just stares 
in the little tiny crack underneath the couch waiting for one of us to stick our hand navigating like under the dusty crevice of the couch trying to get her tennis ball back until it happens again in five minutes it's puppy patterns but yes today was kind of the day one I guess you could say of prepping myself for this 4 a.m schedule because I don't know if I could just do it cold turkey at the moment Maybe that's the best way to do it. Just rip it off like a Band-Aid. But today, instead of getting up around 10, probably when I should have, I cut my sleep short. Again, not the best, but you got to do it somehow. And I got up around, I think, 7.45 or 8. Now, that doesn't mean I got out of bed at 8, but my eyes were open and that is good enough for me at the moment. So we're easing our way into the 4 a.m. routine. And maybe if I do it in this kind of sustainable way, it will actually last But the truth is, I would rather get up and be super productive and feel like, oh my gosh, the day's just getting started and it's nine in the morning than be up, eyes wired with coffee and staring at a big old computer screen at four in the morning. I just, I would much rather flip those two scenarios. So please wish me luck. Send me any sort of recommendations that you have. I'm going to be trying my best. I have actually, now that I'm thinking of it, I've heard about those alarm clocks that can almost wake you up with the sun as well, which could be something to consider because I sleep with the blinds closed. And I think if I don't, that helps me wake up a little bit earlier because then I can actually get the sunlight coming into my room. But if I do sleep with the blinds open, that's just disgusting. Like I don't want anybody looking at me sleeping. Gross. I've also been getting very invested in TikTok lately. And I don't mean as a scroller. I've been a scroller a good old fashion scroller for just a few months now. I've never been completely addicted to the app as I know many of my friends are. I'm sure some of you are too. But in all honesty, I was one of those people that sort of brushed TikTok off. I kind of didn't give it the time of day from a creative standpoint or as a creative. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. I've been on TikTok, like I've been on the app maybe since the beginning of 2020 or so, or maybe before then. But even at that time, I was just so amazed at the creative content on the app that I always felt so intimidated as a creator to even be making my own videos. Because sometimes I think, wow, you know, I can be a creative person. I can do this or that. Or, you know, I, I think I'm creative in some ways. And then I get on TikTok and I'm like, I am a piece of poop. I am the least creative person I've ever met in my life. I am just so amazed at the content I see on a daily basis and it just makes me feel like the silliest thoughtless idealist person ever you know but my goal with YouTube my goal with meeting all of you starting the podcast and whatnot was always to just try and connect with people around the world maybe spread a bit of joy maybe just I don't know add a little bit of light into your day and if I can do that on the TikTok platform as well then why the heck not you know I just think it's so much less serious than sitting for hours and hours and hours, like editing a YouTube video. I think creators that I've seen 
on YouTube that have struggled to reach a certain milestone that they've publicly announced that they've wanted to reach for actual years, they've reached in months on TikTok, which I just think is wild. Obviously, there's a huge demand on the platform for just wanting to show some authentic personal sides of people's fun personalities. And I think that's not something that you always can get even from YouTube. It's definitely not something that you always see on Instagram. And you know, a lot of people will come out and say that they think Instagram is a dying platform and most people will be moving to TikTok within the next few years. And as somebody who got a degree in public relations, I studied marketing, I studied all of those sort of media trends and whatnot. I don't necessarily agree. I agree to some extent, but I think that some people almost say it in an intimidating way to make more people go to TikTok. They don't take into consideration the different demographics that are across all different platforms, specifically Instagram. I would say that most everybody that is on social media has an Instagram. And that doesn't mean that people are actively posting. And the same thing goes with TikTok. But I would say people are much more inclined to want to post something on their Instagram account as it is a lot less intimidating than making a video and sharing it on TikTok. I think if you are a TikTok content creator, then yes, it's a great platform to be on. It's probably a great platform to grow on. However, I don't think that it's realistic to say everybody will be leaving Instagram just because TikTok is blowing up. I totally agree that it's a crazy cool platform, but I think if anything, the demographics on Instagram will maybe slightly change in some ways, kind of we kind of like we saw with Facebook where Facebook is now sometimes catered to a older generation whereas something like Instagram or TikTok can be again sometimes towards a younger generation. So I do think that demographically things will change a lot between all platforms in the coming years, but that's what happens Every time there's a new social media platform, I mean, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, like they all attract a different type of person. And yes, you can still be creative on Instagram. Yes, you can still show your authentic personality, but it is a lot harder to grow and it is very oversaturated. But TikTok is the most downloaded social media app ever. So how can you not say that TikTok's not oversaturated? I don't know. I think it definitely has a better algorithm. But I think at the end of the day, from a user perspective, a lot more people will be using TikTok kind of as a way to defeat their boredom, but a lot more people will be using Instagram consistently to still share photos of their life with their friends, and it feels a lot less intimidating than making a video and sharing it on TikTok. That's just my opinion. I did see a video the other day that was kind of glamorizing the era of Instagram that basically my eldest sister was a part of, which was really, I'm going to say like 2011, 2010, somewhere at least a decade ago. And the caption was, you know, gosh, I wish Instagram wasn't like it is now and there wasn't so much pressure to post this, that, or the other thing. And the video is just pictures of super old Instagram accounts with these horribly filtered photos, horribly blurry, taken in a bar, taken in horrible lighting, where it was just people taking pictures with their friends and posting it on Instagram. And I never thought about it like that. I never thought that people nowadays get so intimidated to post the perfect picture on your Instagram account. Because honestly, I've always felt that pressure. Even when I had 
four followers or even when it was just my friends or my family posting. I've always felt intimidated to post on Instagram, which maybe, I don't know, maybe that's the problem with the platform. But I just don't think I ever realized that so many people, at least in this younger generation, really hate the current culture of Instagram where they feel like they have to post these perfect feed posts. All right, I have been watching The Bachelor, but in all honesty, after I binge watch every season of Love Island, I just have come to realize how much I don't enjoy the show. But I refuse to not watch it because I just genuinely care too much about being in the conversation, which is the dumbest thing ever. But I can't get myself to miss an episode, even though I waste two hours of my Monday nights. I don't know what it is. This is what I've realized about Love Island specifically. First of all, I'm obsessed with the show. We all knew that by now. I don't know why, but I've always watched the seasons out of order. My first season I ever watched was actually the new version of Love Island, which was the U.S. version. Uh, You know, if I'm being honest, just don't waste your time. Uh, Season one was better than season two, but still it wasn't fabulous. Then I went to UK season six. So I've always been a little bit out of order, but what I just love so much about the show is that it just has such a perfect setup. And not only is it fantastic that the show was on five nights a week when it's airing and even just when you're streaming it on Hulu. So there is so much content to be consuming. It is out of this world, but also the show works as in these couples actually stay with one another because of how the show was actually made. First of all, if you're lucky enough to be put with somebody pretty much from day one or day dot, as they say, you could potentially be paired up in a couple with somebody for, I think, six weeks at a time, which six weeks on Love Island time is probably, I would guess, about four months real time, if not even longer, because you are with this person day in and day out. So not only do you just develop this extremely close bond with one another, but You learn so much about them. Yes, you're on a televised TV show, but so many Love Island couples actually end up getting married, having kids. They stick together, whereas so many Bachelor couples last until the press cycle is over and the new season is up. Like, poor Dale and Claire are already broken up. I don't even know if they were ever really a thing or if she just was so in love and he went along with the producers. I don't even know. That makes me so terribly sad. But I just think Love Island is so much more realistic in terms of forming long-lasting relationships as compared to The Bachelor. And even if you don't end up with the person that you were paired up with on the show, you're still usually best friends with so many of the contestants that you were living with for six weeks. Or I've even seen some people not necessarily end up with the person they left with, but get paired up with another Islander, either from their season or from another season. I just, I don't know. I'm so beyond obsessed with the show and the franchise and everything about it. I am through and through a sucker for that kind of reality TV. I've never been into Bravo. I've never been into even the older shows like the OC, Laguna Beach, whatnot, even though I grew up in that area. But there's something about the dating shows. There's something about them like Too Hot to Handle, binged it in a day. Love is Blind, also probably binged it in a day. I just am a sucker for that stuff. And then here I am getting so attached to all these contestants, all these island does. And then I'm crying when they're asking each other to be each other's boyfriend or girlfriend. And they say they love each other. And I'm just sitting there weeping on my couch with a big bowl of ice cream. Oh, oh gosh, I just love them. 
Speaking of things I love, I always have questions from you all about sharing my all-time favorite content creators, whether that's fitness, whether that's not, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, what have you. So allow me to start with my Instagram feed. Let's just go to my following, shall we? Fun fact, if you go to your following, it actually shows you the accounts that are most shown in your Instagram feed and then the ones that you're least interact with. So if you're ever like, why do I always see the same Instagram account on my feed? You can actually go in and kind of move it around or maybe unfollow them, even mute some of their posts if they are popping up too much and you just don't care. Or you can maybe interact with the ones that you don't see enough so that they do pop up on your feed. All right. A wonderful, wonderful, mainly food-based account, but has incredible at-home workouts is Rachel DeVoe. Her account is Rachel's Good Eats. Rachel spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L-S. I believe I've mentioned her once or twice before, but her workouts genuinely helped me get through some very tough ruts in quarantine. She has, I want to say, over 50, maybe even 70 IGTV workouts on her Instagram account that she does with her husband. They're absolutely adorable. They're in her kitchen. They use pretty much no equipment. Sometimes they have small weights. Sometimes there's few bands, but if you don't have that, you can easily choose some of her other workouts. And if you're ever stuck, if you're ever kind of tired of watching let's say, not no hate, but I'm just using it as an example. Let's say you're tired of using a Chloe Ting video because you want something a little bit more interactive or maybe you just don't like that type of workout anymore. Totally fine. Highly recommend looking into Rachel because her workouts are so booty kicking hard and she intentionally pushes you. And because she's doing it in real time with you, it feels like you're in a class with her and her husband. It's awesome. Not only does she have great workouts, she has incredible food recipes. She is a registered dietitian and trainer, but her recipes as a registered dietitian are so beyond good. She has this incredible cookie skillet, which is like a pazuki if you're familiar with the BJ's franchise. She also sells her own matcha, which helped me get into loving matcha even more. And it's ceremonial grade, so, so tasty. And I just think that she's a really positive, bright light. She's also based in Seattle, which is awesome. I believe she has at-home workout guides, but truly, if you're just a little bit unsure, I'd start with just going through her Instagram, seeing her vibe. She's super smiley and she's super fun, but she's also kind of mellow at the same time, which I really like because I think sometimes I'm too over the top. So check out Rachel's Good Eats. She's lovely. Next up, we have Taylor Kate, which is kind of funny because her name is Taylor Kate on Instagram, but her name is actually Kate. So I'm not really sure why she flipped it, but her Instagram name, it's a little bit weird. It's Taylor, just like my name, T-A-Y-L-O-R. And then her name, which is K-A-Y-T-E-E-E, Taylor Katie, but her name is just Kate. It even says it in her name or in her bio. She's super, super cool because she's just one of those people that I thought always from the beginning had a very similar body type to me. So I've loved kind of watching her journey because I can see myself in her She also started her own fitness label, which is called Lazuli. I've never purchased from it myself because I've just always missed drops, but it looks really darn cool. She's also struggled a lot with acne, and I think that she's opened up very well about it and shares her experience and her journey, which is a very vulnerable and scary thing to do. But I just feel as if I know her very well, even though 
obviously I've never met her. I think that she's based in the UK, but she's just awesome. And she has some really, really good guides for your glutes specifically. She's, in my opinion, like the best glutes I've seen in a while. I also have to, of course, shout out Libby Christensen. I've been a big fan of hers for a while now. I think that she is just sort of the embodiment of like a happy, good morning routine girl that is so empowering and encouraging. She lifts really, really heavy weights, which I think is really cool and something that I think maybe can often be intimidating to see, but when you see her do it and just absolutely rocking it, it's very, very inspiring. She is a Gymshark athlete and just rocks every single outfit that she puts on. It makes me want to buy every single set that she wears. I want to say she's like their most influential athlete for getting me to actually purchase so many of their fits because she looks so darn good in them. I shop through her code all the time. As far as YouTube goes, I used to be a huge fitness content creator watcher. Does that make sense? I used to watch so much YouTube in regards to people's fitness journeys. I just loved it. And that was sort of one of the reasons I wanted to share fitness content on YouTube as well, because I thought that you should be maybe making content that you enjoy watching yourself. And that was something I chose to share. I sort of started from the beginning, really, really invested in Grace Beverly. I've liked her probably since she was a really small creator. I'm not as closely following her anymore, mainly because she's not really on YouTube too much anymore. She's a lot more down the entrepreneurial path than she is just sort of posting more about workouts and whatnot. But I've always been Whitney Simmons's biggest fan on YouTube. I think I like following her on YouTube even more than I like following her on Instagram. Just because you get to see so much more of her personality and Instagram, I think sometimes can feel so intimidating because all you see is pictures and they just look so perfect and she's just so beyond beautiful, but it's neat to be able to, you know, actually get to know her personality and see her passions and see her, you know, smart business side and all of these things that get shared on YouTube that don't get talked about enough on Instagram. So I highly recommend if you don't already watch Whitney's videos, just to check them out every once in a while. She'll do really cute like Q&As and whatnot. And those are usually my favorite videos of hers to watch. Not like I need to tell you all to watch Whitney Simmons, but I just thought I'd throw it in. Then on TikTok, I am a huge fan of Rachel Johnny. Her name is just Rachel John, TikTok name Rachel Johnny. She's so dang cool. She's, I want to say based in Amsterdam. And I just love hearing her talk whenever she speaks in Dutch. I think it's so beyond cool. But she's also a recent Gymshark athlete, which is so cool because she just worked her butt off for it. She's on Instagram and YouTube as well. But I love her TikTok content. She does cute like what I eat in a days. She does a lot of just fun fitness videos and trends and whatnot. And she is really into boxing, which I think is awesome. And it's super empowering to see. And she also shared her journey from overcoming an eating disorder, I want to say in 2018, and just sort of her journey to recovery and how she's doing. And I think that that is an especially very vulnerable thing to be sharing on the internet, on TikTok, no less. And I just admire her so much for being that open and honest with her following. And I think that she's wonderful. And to end it on just a really fun note, average fashion blogger, if you are not already following her on any platform, specifically TikTok, she is hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. I love her in every way. She's one of the only accounts that makes me actually laugh out loud. It's not just for shits and gigs. I love her so much. And 
she always says, you know, everything I post is serious. Like this is not a joke, but of course it is. She's so darn funny. I think she's just the real deal and she deserves everything that's coming her way. I think she's been extraordinarily successful and I love, I love to see it. That's kind of my happy moment for the week, just sharing a few of my favorite things, what I've been binging, what I've been loving. Most importantly, I absolutely love this podcast. It is the highlight of my week to sit down and talk with you all. I genuinely mean that in every way. I always, always look forward to it. It just brings me so much happiness and joy, and I'm so grateful to every single one of you who comes back every week and listens to the podcast. It means the absolute world. I can't even tell you enough how much of a dream come true it feels like, but Thank you for giving me the time of day, wanting to listen to my voice. Are you freaking kidding me? I hope that you're enjoying whatever activity you are doing right now. Send me a message telling me your absolute favorite part of this episode. Do something nice for yourself today, okay? Do something really positive that is going to maybe even leave a positive impact on somebody else. You know, do something kind for somebody else today. I love you all so stinking much. I will talk to you next week. <laughs>